Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant that makes this Stuff You Should Know the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. How's it going, man? Podcast intro. Version? (laughs) Version one. Okay. Point one. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? Uh, I'm well, sir. And uh, you're enjoying, I guess we can't say a whole lot of beverage names Not anymore. anymore. Remember we used to just blatantly say stuff. You're enjoying a sparkling water, I can say that. Out of a can. Yep. (laughs) Frenchie. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Why are we just determined to push it to the envelope of I, I don't know. saying a brand name? <laughs> it uh, it rhymes with <laughs> the boy. <laughs> oh, so Chuck, yeah, you know, uh, I was a smoker for a while. Yeah, and uh, one could make a uh, pretty good argument that I started out at an unreasonably young age. No, you weren't young. I was young. You weren't young. No, I was young. How old were you? Let me paint you a picture. Okay. So, first time I try a cigarette, it's in the mall. I'm young enough so that the the guy who owns the pub in the mall that has the cigarette machine that I'm buying cigarettes from comes out and is like, what are you kids doing? But we made off with our cigarettes and smoked one and like the mall started spinning and everything was just crazy, right? You, sm- you could smoke in the mall? Yeah. yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. Um, that was the first time. The second time was a few months later, eighth grade. Okay. Wow. And um, <laughs> my friends and I all decided that it was high time we started smoking. Uh-huh. So we pulled all of our money together and ended up with enough, we figured, for 10 packs of cigarettes. So everybody gave me the money. I got on my bike and <laughs> rode to the gas station, rode up on my bike. Like the cashier saw me, this <laughs> right. kid who's 13, right up on his bike. No, 14, just turned. Put his bike down and walk in and go, uh, I want 10 packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Assorted brands. Assorted brands, exactly. <laughs> I bought like Cools, I bought Marlboros, I bought Kent's, Doral's, like anything else. Well, I like that one. Virginia right? Slims. And I remember the cashier just like, okay, here you go, kid, and, yeah. and sent me off with a bag of 10 packs of cigarettes dangling from the handlebars of my bike. It's probably like 10 bucks, too. It was about 10 bucks back, you know. in, back in the day. And we get back, to, I get back to the woods, everybody's like, oh my God, and we just started smoking. <laughs> and like right off the bat, I started smoking tons of cigarettes. Were you inhaling at the time? Yeah, oh yeah. And I turned green, got sick, and still was like, I like this a lot. <laughs> and smoked for 20 years. That is nuts. And Chuck, today is April 28th. Uh-huh. And how many days are there in April? 30 or 31? I'm going to guess 31. I'm going to go with 31, too, and I'm going to say, no, 30. Okay. In three days, on May 1st, it will be one year since I've had really? a cigarette. Wow. Man, that's a long smoking. time. Kicked it. Congratulations. I smoked, too. You did probably didn't, I never even shared that with you. I had no idea that you smoked. Yeah, I smoked in college like everyone does here and there <laughs> when I'm out. Did you have jazz hands while you <laughs> smoked in college like just now? Yeah, uh, but it wasn't ever anything that got its... Uh, Nicotine never took a hold of me to where I needed a cigarette. It was always very much a social thing. And then when I traveled around Europe, of course, I rolled my own cigarettes and thought it was just super cool. Yeah. But you know what, kids? I was not cool. I was dumb. No, I th- I want to I want to add that too. There was absolutely nothing cool about what I did. No. There's nothing adventurous and 
many, many, many times over the course of my life, I cursed myself. I cursed that cashier. Mm. I even cursed my bike <laughs> for allowing me to make one of the worst decisions of my entire life that I regretted time and time and time again. You cursed Abraham Lincoln because he was on the two $5 bills that you used uh, yeah. to pay for it. Yeah. No, I think Abraham. it was probably he was on the pennies that we used to pay for right. the 10 packs of cigarettes. So um, nicotine got under my skin, Chuck, as it were, which is one of a few ways it can diffuse into the human body. Huh? That's right. Uh, should we talk about tobacco just to, for a second here? Let's. At the beginning, that um, was cultivated as... Early as 6,000 BC, people were chewing on or inhaling tobacco. They realized, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, Native Americans, I'm not sure what tribes, they used to roll um, like cigars that were several feet long, and somebody would hold it at the end, maybe mm-hmm. another one in the middle, and you'd walk up and you'd puff on them like really hard and inhale until yeah. you started coughing. And then from the coughing, you'd get lightheaded and supposedly you had a vision. Interesting. Well, I do know that as early as the 1600s, people actually thought, you know what, this might be bad for you, and I bet you there's a link here to some of these diseases that are killing people and the smoke that we're inhaling. Yes. And I didn't know that. I I had no idea it went back that far. I didn't either. Concerns about smoking. Right, and and, uh, cancer, apparently, they were aware of the cancer back then as well. Yeah, I wonder, they probably They'd probably call it like spirit intrusion or something (laughs) instead, but... Yeah, they 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 knew that there was something to smoking. They also thought it was medicinal, which, as we'll see toward the end of this podcast, um, has actually made something of a resurgence. Yeah, the, the um, medicinal properties of nicotine. So this is nicotine. Go, uh, nicotiana <laughs> tobacco. Yes, nicotine. Uh, nicotiana uh-huh. tobacco. What did I say? No, I think that's right. Okay, I said it wrong. I like your Latin, Chuck. Thank you. It's making a big comeback these days. It is. So uh, nicotine, Josh, is a uh, liquid alkaloid. Yeah, it's the only one. Most alkaloids are white solids. Really? Yes. Including caffeine? Yes. Okay. I saw on a page that that nicotine is the only liquid. All right. Well, I believe it then. Uh, It is an organic compound, alkaloid is, and it's made of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and sometimes a little oxygen in there. And sometimes why? And nicotine makes up about 5% of a tobacco plant, if you're talking weight. Uh, but cigarettes contain between 8 and 20 milligrams of nicotine per cigarette. But here's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. You only ingest about 1 milligram of that into your body when you smoke a cigarette. It's absorbed. You yes. ingest more, but only about a milligram is absorbed. Yeah, good point. Um, say it in Latin, Chuck. Absorbum nicotiana. <laughs> <laughs> So, like I said, nicotine got under my skin, which is one of three ways that it can be absorbed, right? Yeah, through the skin, yeah. uh, into the lungs, and mm-hmm. mucous membranes, like the lining of your nose and gums. And if you think, who would snort tobacco? That's what snuff was and is. Done that, too. You sniff snuff? Yeah. They, they, they still make that stuff. They do. they do. It's a real old timey. Like, I think you can only find it at a... Like the customer service counter at a Piggly Wiggly. And it's still there from the 1960s. <laughs> My grandfather's company actually made snuff in Tennessee. Your grandfather, R.J. Reynolds? No, he didn't own the company, but he was a, like a, a, a manager of the of the workers on the floor, I think. I gotcha. So he exploited people. Yes, and they also made like candy popcorn and stuff. It was weird. It was one of those <laughs> companies that made all kinds of crazy things. Wow. Oh, it was not R.J. Reynolds. So. Okay. 
So, uh, nicotine, and we're talking about how it, how it gets into your body. It's absorbed. It moves into the, the blood vessels that line these tissues straight into the bloodstream mm-hmm. and then pretty much directly to the brain. Where it does its whammo effects, right? That's right. Um, out of the ways that you can ingest nicotine into the body, the lungs are the most efficient, right? Which is why they're cigarettes. The, right, exactly. The, the inhaling um, nicotine through smoking tobacco um, introduces this, this drug, this alkaloid, to the alveoli, which are the little tiny air sacs where mm-hmm. gas exchange occurs. Yeah. And this is the fact of the um, podcast for me. Okay, let's hear it. The the alveoli, right? Mm-hmm. Little millions of tiny little gas bags. Cute little gas bags. Very cute. Um, if you combine their their surface area, their total surface area, they have ninety times more surface area than the human skin. Wow. And I imagine that's like an average sized person, but still, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, which again is why people smoke it. And we we're going to say cigarettes a lot, uh, but obviously this includes cigars and pipe smoke. In any way you're going to ingest tobacco, dip, snuff, if you're still doing the snuff. Right. The snuff. Yeah. Uh, so, but we're going to say cigarettes mainly. That's fine. Okay. That's the most popular way, I believe. That's right. So, Josh, we said, um, here's here's an interesting thing, too, about the half-life. Is that right? Is that how half-life works? It said that nicotine has a half-life of 60 minutes, so six hours after a cigarette, that one milligram... Uh, that was in your body is now 0.031. That didn't seem quite right, but I guess that is. Uh, I, I don't know, Chuck. Well, that's what it says, so that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> um, but how does your body get rid of this stuff? How does it process it for removal? Well, um, several ways. 80% of it is broken down by your liver, right? Okay. Um, some is metabolized by your lungs to and turned into uh, codeine and nicotine oxide. Yeah, and codeine, I looked that up. It's an alkaloid as well, mm-hmm. and also an anagram for nicotine. Huh. And it does pretty much the same thing as nicotine, just at a much lower potency. Gotcha. And alkaloids, by the way, tend to really mess with humans. Like, of there's different types of alkaloids, but the under the large umbrella of alkaloids, you have strychnine, mm-hmm. nightshade, yeah. opium, psilocybin, hemlock, ergot, anything that can get you wasted or kill you right is an alkaloid basically yeah <laughs> right um you can also get rid of uh cotinine um through your urine you, so it takes about 24 hours to get rid of cotinine that way so you can actually do a nicotine pee test Did yeah you know like that? a day after or within a day mm-hmm. you can also do a smell test that works too with the breath yeah. <laughs> or the clothes or the hair or whatever uh here's the fact of the podcast for me josh is that uh, some people have a genetic defect mm-hmm. in the enzymes in their liver that uh, the mutant enzyme is less effective at metabolizing nicotine. So some people are born able to smoke less, mm-hmm. yet retain the feeling they get from smoking longer. Yeah. There's a time in my life when I would have called those people lucky. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you're going to smoke, it's better to smoke less, but I yeah. still wouldn't, yeah, shouldn't mess with it at all. Agreed, Chuck. Agreed. <laughs> it's so good to hear you say these things. Because you used to say how much you loved cigarettes. I know, but I still, I think in this one, even if I did still smoke, I would I would advise never to take it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chuck, let's talk about the effects of nicotine. It is an alkaloid, which means it's a drug, basically, mm-hmm. um, which means it has an effect on a couple of parts of the brain. 
right? Yes. Um, and not just the brain, but the body. One of the first responses the body has um, to nicotine is the release of adrenaline, which kicks in our dear old friend, the fight or flight response, right? Yes, and that's initially, but can also, what do they call it, biphasic? Yeah, it can invigorate and relax. Yeah, and that sounds a little odd until you think about like something like alcohol, which has the same qualities many times, which is why... You know, the girl at the bar is all fired up at first, and yeah. then later on it's, why did they, they hate me so much? Right. Or, you know, I can't hold my head up. Right. Um, I, I've, The last couple of shows, the last couple of comedy shows I've been to, there have been chatty drunk girls who have just been overly courageous in expressing what was on their mind loudly at any given moment. Heckling or just too loud? But, uh, heckling, Ugh. but not not heckling like you're a bad comedian. Just like, you know, the guy would yeah. tell a joke and she'd be like, Respond. "I work at Home Depot," <laughs> and it was the like you're you're talking to Bob Goldthwait right now, and right. you have no idea what he's gonna do. Zach Galifianakis has some classic YouTube bits dealing yeah. with hecklers. Yeah. Oh yeah, this one girl in particular, <laughs> Slade. It's really good. Everyone I've seen though um, has done a pretty good job with these people. It's the worst part of the job, from what I hear. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, so Chuck. Uh, you've got the release of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, <clears throat> we have an explanation for why people who smoke tend to eat less. Yeah. You hear oral fixation, and I imagine that that probably has a lot to do with people putting on the weight after they quit smoking. Right. Um, but if you smoke, you can go fairly long without food, and now we understand why. Nicotine... Send some signals to your brain, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here, let me do a, a little dramatic reading. Okay. So nicotine to the body. Hey, body, go ahead and dump a lot of the glucose stores in your cells into the bloodstream, okay? Yeah. The body says, okay. And the uh, nicotine says, and by the way, I don't want you releasing any insulin. Insulin absorbs glucose in the bloodstream. And the body's like, okay. And then the nicotine goes, okay, well, now that you have a bunch of glucose in your bloodstream, don't you think that you've just eaten and are full? And the body goes, you know I do. And the insulin goes, that's exactly right. The end. Yeah, so that's called hyperglycemic. And like you said, basically it it makes you feel like you're not hungry. Right. And um, it also increases your uh, basal metabolic rate. So you're going to burn more calories sitting around smoking than you would if you were just sitting around. And this all sounds awesome. What? I eat less? Yeah. And I just burn calories sitting around? <laughs> right. It sounds awesome, but unfortunately it's not like, oh, I can lose weight smoking and that's like exercise because what you're actually doing is killing yourself over the long haul. Right. And speaking of basal or basal, <laughs> metabolic rate, um, that is... Something that apparently is very overlooked when, with people who exercise and count calories and things like that. How's you hear that? I just sounded like Sylvester the cat for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, if you exercise and you burn 500 calories, mm-hmm. people are like, well, that's pretty awesome. I just burned 500 calories. But they're not taking into account the basal metabolic rate, which is had you just not gone to the gym and stayed home, you would have burned 150 calories. So really, you only burned 350 calories. You have to take your net calorie burn to really figure out how much 
weight you lose exercising. Yeah. Well, I don't ever look at the, like on a treadmill, I don't ever pay attention to like, you burn this many calories. I don't either. I just it's go just for time. Like, you know what? I gave my heart a workout for 45 minutes. Exactly. And I didn't fall over dead. Exactly. And I never weigh myself either. Oh, I do. Do you really? Yeah, I just fixed my scale, actually. The batteries, well, fix it. I put a battery in it, and it had been out for like four or five months. And I, I did, you know, I, feel, I felt myself getting fatter, and I weighed myself, and I was actually like a pound less than I was six months ago. So That's great. Sure. It was all in my head. Well, it's not great. Ideally, I'm 20 pounds less than I was six months ago. I've just uh, been reintroduced to my hip bones lately. Yeah? Yeah. That's good. You going to start wearing the um, the hip huggers? <laughs> you haven't noticed? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so, Chuck. <laughs> Cigarettes will kill you is where we left off because they will raise your bad cholesterol level, damage your arteries, and eventually you are in line for a heart attack or a stroke. Yes. And that, and well, we'll get into it later. Let's talk about the brain. Yeah, and I don't think that's much of a spoiler. No. <laughs> Cigarettes kill exactly. you. The the uh the irony of it is is the nicotine won't kill you. I mean the nicotine can kill you, but you literally have to overdose on it and it takes more than you could get from cigarettes. Yes. It's other chemicals, the thousands of other chemicals in a cigarette that kill you. Well, I'm glad you said that cuz that's a huge point. Um the other chemicals are killing you. The nicotine is what makes you smoke over and over and over again. Yeah. So it's a it's a one-two punch of death. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what happens in the brain that gets you basically addicted. Um, first up, as with anything, is the reward pathway is manipulated, right? So just like with cocaine or alcohol or anything like that, dopamine's released, which is how we learn how to eat and reproduce yes. and do anything that sur- that causes our own or our species' survival. Mm-hmm. We're rewarded, right? Yes. Well, nicotine unlocks the release of dopamine, which teaches us to smoke again, right? That's right. But even more than that, a smarter neurotransmitter, and I, I do kind of think that dopamine is kind of a dumb, Dopey. fat, Chris yeah. Farley kind of neurotransmitter, you know, just kind of like out right. for a good time sure. kind of thing. Acetylcholine, that guy is slick. That's like a Patrick Bateman kind of neurotransmitter. That's right. And nicotine uh, docks to this, uh, it binds to this neurotransmitter, and that's where that's where it all happens, basically. And may I interject? Please. R.I.P. Chris Farley. I know for a fact that he was not dumb. He was a very smart guy. Yes. I was talking more about his uh, buffoon-like characters that he played, not him specifically. We don't want to speak ill of the dead. Especially not Chris Farley. That's right. So we just mentioned acetylcholine, uh, which the nicotine binds to this neurotransmitter. Uh, It's going to when you smoke, it's going to increase the release of acetylcholine, and the problem is that acetylcholine is great and the body, everybody loves it. The body regulates the release of it in the proper way, but when nicotine gets involved, it's just uh, out of control, willy nilly, acetylcholine going crazy in your body. Right. Um. One the the and a bunch of acetylcholine being released means a bunch of activity in the cholinergic neurons. Right. So the cholinergic neurons basically tell your body, like, "Hey, wake up, bub. Let's go do something." Yeah. Right. Let's go roller skate or something like that. Um, cholinergic neurons also promote dopamine release. Yeah. Like we so said. you're up and at them. Mm-hmm. You're feeling good. You're feeling euphoric. Um, you Endorphins are released, which is the body's natural painkiller. Yep. You've heard of the runner's high. That is uh, endorphins going crazy at the end of your long jog. 
Exactly. Um, and then lastly, the thing that cements it all is the release of glutamate, which glutamate has been shown to enhance neural connections. Yeah. Connections between the neural pathways, which enhances memory. You remember we talked about memory? That's right. We didn't talk about glutamate. Yeah, how do we miss that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what can happen here is if you, uh, when you ingest nicotine, glutamate can create a memory loop of how awesome it is. So now you've got this recurring film playing in your head, like smoking's great, smoking's great, have another cigarette, over and over and over. Yep. A deadly concoction. Yes. <laughs> so that's what happens. You you lose weight, <laughs> you feel great. Right. Uh, like you said. But you're slowly dying. Yes, but we mentioned earlier. Um, that there, there, there are medicinal. There's medicinal value to nicotine specifically, right? Yes, because it has this effect on your cholinergic pathways. Um, it could help with Alzheimer's. They're finding Alzheimer's is a loss of cholinergic neurons. That's right, right? Mm-hmm. Which leads to memory loss, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're not quite as active. You are angry, and you don't know why, right? That's right. Um. They're finding that nicotine can help replace these, or it can at the very least stop the loss of cholinergic neurons and promote the activity of the ones that are still around. That's right. Hence reversing the effects of Alzheimer's or forestalling it. That's right. And uh, Tourette's syndrome is another thing they're looking into now. Um, With nicotine patches, slowly delivering nicotine uh, can reduce the episodes of uh, Tourette's tics and outbursts. So... Did we cover, I don't even know if we covered that in Tourette's. This may be news to us. Yes. Do you, anyone who hasn't heard Tourette's syndrome yet, go back and listen to it. It's a good one. Yeah, it is. Um, but, Chuck, again, we want to specify that you're much more likely to die from ingesting nicotine via the current ways that we have it. Mm-hmm. We have to ingest it than you are to gain any kind of benefit, right? That's right. Uh, cancer, obviously, emphysema, heart disease, stroke. And uh, the nicotine is what gets you addicted, and all the thousands of chemicals in the cigarette is what uh, kills you. Right. And it will kill you. I mean, if if you smoke your whole life, you're a very much a, a rarity if you're one of those people that's, like, smoking for 50 years and not suffering any ill effects. That's that's really rare. Sometimes I feel death over my shoulder. Really? Now you're healing, man. You you can reverse the effects. That's what's so good about it. it yeah, you can reverse the effects, but you can also do lasting damage. You well, can set all sorts of time bombs in your body after smoking thousands and thousands of cigarettes over 20 years. True, but you're you're doing good, buddy. Um, so Chuck, we talked about uh, it being psychologically addictive, right? Very much. You do it compulsively. The definition of this is you are compulsively engaging in an activity that you know will harm you. Yes. You're still doing it. Yes, and it is physiologically uh, anything, neuroscientists basically say, anything that that uh, synthetically turns on your reward pathway is addictive. Right. And that's cigarettes for sure. Yes. Um, or nicotine specifically. And we also mentioned, Chuckers, that um, nicotine itself is harmful if you overdose on it. Yeah, but it's very difficult to overdose on it because, remember, there's 8 to 20 milligrams of nicotine in a cigarette, but your body only ingests about one. It's very difficult to overdose by way of smoking, inhalation. It is. But if you're a baby mm-hmm. and you're dumb, you can eat cigarettes or cigarette butts Yes. and overdose on it. It doesn't take yeah. very much. It can take Eating one cigarette can send a baby to the hospital with 
a lot of problems. Yes, and I looked this up, and it says so in this article, but I double-checked that adults, if you eat like three to seven cigarettes as an adult, you, you will likely die. So don't do that. Don't ever eat a cigarette for any reason. No, but remember we talked about um, Ambien, people on Ambien yeah. waking up and well, I having wondered about eaten that. cigarettes. Yeah, and I, I was surprised. I thought it was like, oh, eat like three packs of cigarettes and you might get really sick. But if you eat four, five, six cigarettes, you will likely die Right. if you don't get to a hospital. So there, this all reminds me of a story of, I, I hope somebody out there can help me with this. It was in a feature article in GQ Sometime between probably 1990 and 1994, okay? <laughs> okay. It was about a bank robber. May I? Mm-hmm. It, he was one of the more successful bank robbers of all time because he figured out if you put a clown wig on, glasses, and then dangle ribbons from the glasses, no one will ever be able to give a good description of you, ever. <laughs> so okay. he was a very <laughs> successful bank robber for a while. What about just wearing a mask? <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, the, uh, that was theatrics. his thing, though. Okay. This guy finally gets nabbed, mm-hmm. right? And he's in prison, and he decides he needs to get out. So he takes a pack of cigarettes, uh-huh. right, that I imagine he traded a few honey buns for. Uh-huh. Um, he unrolls the cigarettes and puts them in a cup of water, lets the cup of water sit overnight, Ugh. goes around out into the prison yard during like exercise time, runs around a couple of times, comes back in, and immediately chugs this cup of nicotine water, of tobacco water, Ugh. and falls right over. Right? Yeah. So the hospital's like we or the uh, prison's like we got to get this guy to the hospital. Well, the ambulance that shows up is full of paramedics who pull guns on the prison guards. Get the guy into the back of the ambulance. It's his gang posing as paramedics. They take him to an underground doctor who revives him, and he lives. Is that that really happened? According to this GQ article, wow. and my memory of uh-huh. the GQ article, sure. that's what happened. Uh, we could find that out, I bet. But we can explain exactly what they would have treated him with to to overcome this nicotine overdose, which he was surely suffering. Can we? We can now. Well, what would they treat him with? Well, there's a couple of things you could do. You could get the you could get the nicotine out by giving him ipcac, something to induce vomiting. Yeah, sure. Um, which you would probably want to do. You could also give him activated charcoal, which the carbon will attract the nicotine, the alkaloids, and will keep the body from absorbing more of it. Huh. But that's basically what you want to do is to get out whatever you can and make sure nobody eats any more nicotine. Yeah, and I guess the only scenario no one would want to do that is the uh, the sleepy, hungover morning after when you reach over and grab what you think is that cup of uh, soda, and it's really the thing that all your cigarette butts were thrown into. That's gross. I knew a kid who would still drink beer with cigarette butts in it. Yeah. Smart guy. Uh, so I, I am not talking about myself. <laughs> of course you're not. Um so nicotine, like we said, it gets in your body like any drug. Your body will adapt adapt, adapt to that uh, drug and start behaving differently. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you quit, just like any drug, your body's going to say, wait a minute. Like I was functioning on a certain level here, uh, and now you just took the nicotine away, so I don't know what to do. Right. I'm used to a certain amount of color, cholinergic activity. Yeah. Give it to me. So I'm going to be really messed up for a while, and you're going to be really irritable, um, Mr. Person who who has my body, and uh, you're going to be anxious, and you're going to be depressed, and you're going to crave me a lot for about a month mm-hmm. and beyond. Mm-hmm. But a month physically, they say, is when it kind of will leave your system. But the psychological part, I know some people that quit smoking for a decade, and they still 
crave that cigarette on occasion. I used to, I, I would meet people here or there who would, you know, who saw me smoking and were like, I quit 30 years ago and I still want a cigarette every day. And it scared me because I'm kind of like, I think I'd rather die than go <laughs> like, live like that, you know? Yeah, seriously. And now I, I understand what they're talking about where it's like, you, it, it's so manageable. Mm-hmm. It's such a passing thought that I don't, I don't have it every day. But I mean, I have had it where I'm like, that, that would be really great. What are your triggers? Smoke a cigarette. Probably having a drink that for a lot of people, alcohol and cigarettes are You would think so. No, I haven't yeah. noticed any actual triggers. Um, there, it, a lot of it is association. Like, yes, if you, if you drink, you, right. you want it. <clears throat> you want a cigarette. That doesn't, it's fleeting. It's more kind of out of the blue. Not like stress related. Not necessarily. Interesting. It's just kind of there. Like right. in like a, underneath a certain part of your brain and it just kind of floats to the surface every once in a while, but you just kind of bat it away. Right. It's completely manageable. Out you. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's different for everybody, and um, the way it reacts in your body is different for everyone. Your tolerance uh, level is going to be different uh, for everybody. That's why some people smoke three packs a day is because they need to keep recharging that hit of dopamine. Mm-hmm. And some people can get by with smoking the occasional cigarette. Yeah. And our advice is to not ever start. Avoid the whole mess. Yeah. And this is coming from a dude who loved to smoke, and now you're just like, no, no, no. No. That's great. I love it. Thanks, Chuck. Um, if you love nicotine and you want to learn more about it, if you love it on an intellectual level, I guess is what I mean, you can learn more by typing in nicotine, right? Yes. I imagine you could also type in codeine if you wanted to mm-hmm. into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which will bring up this article on nicotine, and search bar brings up listener mail. That's right. You almost caught me off guard. That was so slick. Uh, Josh, I'm going to call this a follow-up on Wacky Wills. Yes, We asked for Wacky Will stories, and this was a good one. This is from uh, Nate in uh, Galesburg, Illinois. Uh, Dear Josh and Chuck and Jerry, guys, I've been a big fan for years. I heard how wills work. I was hoping you would mention my favorite story of strange will stipulations, but you didn't. So here it is. Uh, And he included a link to Snopes. Because it's uh, true. Yeah, he wasn't the only one to send this one in, too. Oh, did more than one of these come in? I think so. All right. That's the one I'm thinking of. A Toronto lawyer named Charles Vance Millar died in 1926 with a hefty estate, left a number of strange clauses in his will, most of which are described in the link. Uh, The strangest of which is uh, came to be known as the Great Stork Derby. Wacky Canadians. He left a significant (laughs) portion of his money... Uh, investment that would turn out to be worth up to $750,000 to the woman who gave birth to the most children in Toronto in the 10 years following his death. Why would this guy do that? I don't know. I'm really trying to think of a reason. He was um, a, he was a big fan of coitus. Maybe. Or just trying to populate Canada. I guess. Take over the U.S. once and for all. Was it Toronto? That's what he says. Huh. Uh, There were a number of interesting legal challenges highlighted in the link, such as whether or not illegitimate or deceased children counted. It's awful. And ultimately, the purse was split among six women in total, the most money going to four women with nine legitimate live births during the time frame, each of whom received 125 grand. Hope you guys have a chance to mention this uncommon and capricious equipment. From Nate in Galesburg. And uh, quickly, we also wanted to mention Chris uh, is a Marine, was a Marine, and then later a Naval Reserve uh, officer. 
and they were required to have a will. So we mentioned the on the battlefield type of uh, yeah. holographic will or oral will. Yeah. And apparently now you have to prove that you have a will to get into the armed services. So that's, that's the information we got from Chris. Thanks, Chris. And I can't remember the name of the person who uh, sent us an email in utter disbelief that we failed to mention Brewster's Millions. <laughs> but my apologies <laughs> to that person and anyone else who thought the same thing. Yeah. We totally overlooked that that's one. That's lesser prior. It's good, though. But lesser prior. Prior and John Candy. Yeah. God rest his soul. Exactly. If you want to say hi to uh, Chuckers or me, uh, you can do so by going on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Um, you can also tweet hi to us. Mm-hmm. That's uh, at SYSK podcast. Uh, and then you can always just send us a good old fashioned email at stuff podcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you